you would turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. This morning we're going to be continuing on the same idea or really the same pattern we've been looking at. Some things that happened in the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of the book of Genesis, where two weeks ago we looked at the creation and the things that we learn about God from the creation. Last week we talked about what the account of the Garden of Eden teaches us about Satan and how he tempts, how he tempted Eve and how he tempts us today. And this morning in our lesson, we're going to be moving into the next chapter in Genesis, Genesis chapter 4, but we're starting here in Hebrews 11, where we're going to be looking at the account of Cain and Abel. And again, as we've talked about with the other lessons, these are stories, we sometimes refer to them that way, not in the sense that they are made up or fake, but they are accounts of things that have happened. But these are these are things that children learn about in their Bible classes growing up, that, that these are the things that they begin learning about the Bible. But these are not just children's stories. These are here for us as well. When we think about Cain and Abel and the sacrifices that they offered, and the things that it teaches us, there are some important lessons for us to learn here. In Hebrews 11 and verse 4, it says, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. That's what we're going to be learning about today when we look at Cain and Abel, that idea of faith. That Abel offered this by faith. The world, when, especially the religious world around us, when they talk about faith, they usually have a different concept than what the Bible describes as faith. The world around us def- defines faith by their own terms. But as we look at faith and we look at Cain and Abel and we see what happened with them, we can see how the Bible describes faith. And so in this lesson, we're going to consider some things that we can understand about faith from this account. And the first thing, before we get back to Genesis, because we're all somewhat familiar with that story where you have Cain and Abel both offering sacrifices to God, that Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God, and Cain's was not. What do we learn from this verse here, Hebrews 11.4, where it says, By faith Abel did this. First thing we see about faith is that faith leads to action. Faith leads us to do something. I mentioned at the beginning that the world around us, even the religious world, so many people have this definition of faith in their mind that is not what the scriptures teach. But they have this idea of faith that all it is is simply believing in God. That it's simply some mental assent that they have that they believe that this is true, that God is real, or that Jesus died for their sins. So that is what they call faith. And they believe that, well, because they have that faith, then that's sufficient, and that's all that they need to save them. But the Bible teaches that faith is more than just believing something or acknowledging something. That faith has actions. Faith led Abel to offer this sacrifice. James said over in James 2 and verse 17 that faith without works is dead. 
And if we are going to define faith as being merely acknowledging something, acknowledging some idea that, and recognizing that God exists, well, James 2 and verse 19 says, even the demons believe. And that not do, only do they believe, but they also tremble. Does that mean that the demons have faith? No, they don't have faith. They believe in God. They believe who God is. They understand who He is, but the demons do not have faith because they're not obeying God. They're not doing His will. Faith leads us to action. Here in Hebrews 11, verse 4, it says, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. And we could go through the rest of the chapter here in Hebrews chapter 11 and see all these other ones who did certain things by their faith. In verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken up. It says that he that he walked with God in, in Genesis chapter 5. By faith Noah built the ark. By faith Abraham, when he was called, he left his home and went to the place that God was showing him. And on in every example here in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, all of these ones who were heroes of faith, that faith led them to do something. Now, you have, again, so many people in the religious world who have this concept that you know, faith is, you, know, you can't throw works into there because then you are just trying to earn your salvation and we're, we are saved or justified by faith alone. And a verse that's often cited is Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, where Paul said there, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're justified by faith. And as many in the religious world will cite that verse, we will agree with what that verse says. We don't deny anything in that verse. The problem is, is so many people read that verse and either subconsciously or maybe overtly, they add the word only in there. They say we are justified by faith only in order to exclude works. The problem with that, number one, it does not have the word only in there. It doesn't say we're justified by faith only. It says we're justified by faith. The other problem with that is that earlier in the book, Paul already defined what he's talking about when he refers to faith. If you have anyone bring up that passage in Romans 5 and verse 1, you can answer that by flipping those numbers around and going to Romans 1 and verse 5, where it says, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. When Paul is writing about faith, what is he talking about? He's not talking about just believing and that's all that there is. He's talking about a belief that leads to action. He's talking about a belief that leads to obedience. Bible faith is an obedient faith. And that's what we see with Abel here. Abel offered a better sacrifice, and he did that by faith. So faith leads to action. But we also need to understand that faith is based on the Word of God. Because as we understand the first point, faith leads to action. There has to be a certain kind of action. Not just anything that we choose to do or anything that we decide to do. Because 
as you read that verse in Hebrews 11 verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. It doesn't say that Abel offered a sacrifice and Cain didn't. Cain offered a sacrifice. He did something. He that There was an action on his part as well. The problem was it was not what God wanted. It was not what God ex- had told them to do. So both of them are offering a sacrifice. Both of them are doing something. But Abel's, his was a better sacrifice because it was by faith. Romans 10 and verse 17 tells us where this faith is comes from. If Abel's going to do something by faith, or if we are going to do something by faith, what does that mean? Romans 10 and verse 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. We have to understand what the word of God is, and that leads us to do those things that God wants us to do. That's where our faith comes from. It shows us what we do to obey the Lord. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talked about this idea of doing God's will, this faith leading to action. And it has to be a certain type of action, not just anything that we might choose to do. He said in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Again, not those who simply believe that He is the Lord. They're the ones who are saying, Lord, Lord. He says, not everyone who says that will enter. He says, but the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. They're doing something, and it's what the Father's will is. Because, verse 22, there's a contrast. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Look at these things that we are doing. There's action on their part. Verse 23, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. They weren't doing things that God wanted them to do. They weren't doing things that were authorized for them to do. It wasn't, they weren't doing actions that were by faith. Now, as we look at Abel here, and really look at both of these brothers, Cain and Abel, There's a statement that Jesus made about Abel over in Luke chapter 11 that's significant on this point. Because we think about that sacrifice and the offering that both of them made. Again, both of them made an offering. God accepted one but not the other. And we might wonder, because we don't really read about any of the background of of what led up to that, we don't see specific instructions from God about what they were to do. However, knowing that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and Abel offered this sacrifice by faith, we know that God gave them instructions. And that's further reinforced here in this passage in Luke chapter 11, where Jesus said that the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation from the blood of Abel, to the blood of Zechariah who was killed between the altar and the house of God, yes, I tell you, it will be charged against this generation. He's talking about those right now, as he's speaking, who were rejecting Christ. He says the punishment that you are going to receive is what has been building ever since the beginning when the prophets were rejected, God's prophets were rejected, God's prophets were killed, 
And who was the first prophet? First prophet was Abel. Abel was the first prophet. Well, what does a prophet do? A prophet speaks from God. Sometimes we think of a prophet as speaking things that are coming in the future, and oftentimes that happens, but it's not limited to that. He's simply speaking things that come from God. Speaking the words that God has given him to speak. So when we look at Cain and Abel, they weren't just guessing about what God wanted them to to do. Just as Adam was instructed by God not to eat of the tree, and he passed that on to Eve because Eve was able to say to the serpent that this is what God has told us not to do. In the same way, God had told Abel the type of sacrifices that need to be offered, and Cain did not follow those instructions. It would have been passed on to him, just as it would have been passed on to all of the others. Cain did not accept that. Cain had a different idea. Cain had something else that he wanted to do. But when we think about Cain and Abel there, Abel was a prophet. Abel offered this sacrifice by faith. God made sure they knew what he expected. God always makes sure that man can know what he wants them to do. He never leaves us to guess about what might please him. He doesn't leave us to follow our emotions and what we might, what we feel might be good or just go along with what everyone else is doing. God shows us in his word what he wants us to do. Just as he did with Cain and Abel. He showed them what he wanted them to do. Now we go back to Genesis chapter 4. We've, we've talked about this passage. But as we go back to Genesis chapter 4, again you have... Cain and Abel both offering these sacrifices. Cain's, as Hebrews 11 says, was offered by faith. And we saw what that means. It was according to God's instructions, according to His Word. But what we, what we also see as we look at this is that faith is available to everyone. Because we, as we look at this account here in Genesis chapter 4, Cain offered a sacrifice. Abel's sacrifice was better. But as we see here, Cain could have, if he chose to, he could have offered a sacrifice acceptable just as Abel did. In Genesis 4, verse 3, it says, It came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, brought of the first slings of the flock and of their fat portions. And again, why did he do that? Because that's what God instructed him to do. Cain was not following God's instructions. So, end of verse 4, the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So, Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well... Sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. What is God telling Cain here? Abel offered that sacrifice that was pleasing to God. God is telling Cain, you could have done the same thing. You can still do the same thing. You can still offer this same sacrifice. If you do well, is not 
Will it not go well for you? Will not your countenance be lifted up that you won't be resentful? You won't be angry about this? You won't feel guilt about not doing the Lord's will? Your countenance will be lifted up. If you do well, that's available to you. You will have the favor of God. God will be pleased with you. Abel offered his sacrifice by faith. God is telling Cain, you could offer your sacrifice by faith. That was available to him just as it was available to Abel. The same thing is true for all of us. We talked about how faith is based on the Word of God. Well, that's available to everyone. Jesus said in Mark 16 and verse 15 to his apostles, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That word is for everyone. And that word is doable for everyone. We read Romans 1 and verse 5 where Paul talked about how he was sent as an apostle to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles. That God, he expects that those of the nations, those of those of the world, they are able to hear the word of God, believe it, and obey it. It is doable for everyone. John wrote over in 1 John 5 and verse 3 that this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. They are not something that is that we just are not capable of doing. We can do the will of God. Cain could offer the sacrifice that God wanted if he chose to do it. Anyone can de- today can obey the Lord's commandments and do His will if they choose to do it. But no one is excluded from this. Faith is available to everyone just as that faithful obedience and offering a sacrifice was pleasing to God. That was possible for Cain. It's possible for anyone today to live by faith. But the another thing we see here about faith, and those who have faith, that this is resented by those who are unrighteous. So remember what happened with Cain and Abel. After God spoke to Cain and basically told him that you, know, you did this and it was not what I wanted, but you can... Offer a sacrifice that's pleasing to me. You can do what Abel did. Well, verse 8, Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Abel was a man of faith. Cain did not want to submit to the will of God. He was angry about this. Why did he kill Abel. John explains over in 1 John 3 and verse 12 that we are not to be as Cain who is of the evil one who slew his brother. And then he asks the question, and for what reason did he slay him? He answers, because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. That was the reason. It wasn't because Abel made fun of him or because Abel was mean to him, or Abel did something wrong to him. It was because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Faith is resented by those who are unrighteous. Now, there are a lot of people who are marginally religious in the world today who tolerate 
Christians and, and won't really stand up against us or, and, or cause any trouble, but there are other people and an increasing number of people who are more hostile toward the truth and toward the faith and to the way of Christ. So you have more and more people who will cause trouble for Christians. And if we live by faith, Peter warned over in 1 Peter 4, verse 12, that we can expect persecution. 1 Peter 4, verse 12, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Don't think that this is something that is unusual. This is something that we should expect, especially when you have those who have completely rejected the will of God. And they do not want you by your actions, not necessarily even your words, but just by your actions to condemn them or to judge them. Remember in Hebrews 11 where we talked about all of those heroes of faith, one of the ones mentioned was Noah. And we remember Noah, how he built the ark to save his household. But it says there in that verse, not only did he in reverence prepare an ark for the salvation of his household, but Hebrews 11.7 says, by which he condemned the world. By doing what he did by faith, by putting his faith into action, by saving himself and his family, he was at the same time condemning the world. When we live by faith, and people have, who have rejected God, and they want to live in whatever way we want to do, well, there's a contrast, and sometimes a stark contrast, between our life and their life. And our life shines a light on their life that they're not comfortable with, that they're not happy about. They resent that. They don't want to be made to feel guilty about the way that they're living. They don't want the ex being exposed for what they are. And as we try to live as we should, that's going to happen. So they, like Cain, turn against those who are living by faith. However, we can expect that even though this is going to happen, God is going to make sure that justice is carried out. 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 5, Paul was writing to brethren who were going to experience persecution, who were going to be, be tried in this way. In 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 5, it says, This is the plain indication of God's righteous judgment, so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom for which you are suffering. After all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. So here you have Christians trying to do what is right, live by faith, and you have people in the world afflicting them and persecuting them. He says in verse 7, To give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. God will take care of all of this. God will make sure that justice is done. But be prepared that there will be this persecution. So what does all this mean for us? As we see these lessons from Cain and Abel and what that account teaches us about faith.
Well, first of all, if faith leads to action, then we need to, as Peter said in 1 Peter 1 and verse 13, we need to prepare for action. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not be conformed to your former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. Be prepared for action. Be zealous, as Titus 2 and verse 14 says. Be zealous for good deeds. Ready and eager to do what the Lord wants us to do. We need to not think that, well, I have faith because I believe in God. I have faith because I believe Jesus died for my sins. Well, that's We need to have that. But if we really have faith, as the Bible defines it, that's going to lead us to action. And if faith is based on the Word of God, then we need to make sure that we are studying the Word of God, that we know what the Word of God teaches. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, a verse that we're probably all familiar with, that tells us to be diligent or study to show ourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. We need to know what the scriptures teach. If God has shown us in his word what he wants us to do, and again, as we saw with Cain and Abel, he didn't leave them to guess about what he wanted. He doesn't leave us to guess about what he wants us to do either. He's shown us in His Word. We need to make sure that we go to His Word, that we know what His Word teaches, so that as we are acting, we are acting by faith and not based on our assumptions and what we believe is right. If faith is available to everyone, as we saw, then we need to be willing to share the gospel with anyone. Again, Jesus told the apostles in Mark 16, 15 to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The disciples in Acts chapter 8, when persecution rose against the church, they went everywhere preaching the word. And that's how the word started to spread to the Gentiles. It got to Antioch where you have Jews and Gentiles together in that church as Gentiles started to be converted. And from there you have the gospel being spread and, and we read throughout the book of Acts, and in our study as we're, that's coming up, we're going to be going through all of these passages that talk about how the gospel spread from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria into the remotest parts of the earth. They took the gospel to the world around them. Faith is for everyone. So we need to be willing to share the gospel with anyone who is willing to listen. And if faith is resented by those who are unrighteous, we need, to, we need to prepare for persecution. Back in 1 Peter 4, verse 12, that verse that we read, where, where Peter said, don't be surprised at what's coming, that this is coming to test you. He said in verse 16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. We're going to face persecution in some form or fashion, we're going to face persecution. As we do that, we need to put our trust in God. Verse 19, Therefore, those who, are, those who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful Creator in doing what is right. We are entrusting our souls to God. 
even though we know persecution is going to come, we're willing to endure it because we trust that the Lord will keep his promises, that he will reward us. Peter talked about this at the beginning of his letter, 1 Peter 1 and verse 3, where he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That's the reward. That's the promise. Then he says in verse 5, Who are protected by the power of God through faith, for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We are going to face persecution. We are going to face trials. But if we hold on to our faith, if we continue to serve the Lord and continue to be faithful to Him, He will reward us. That passage over in Hebrews 11 and verse 4 that we started with, it ended with the phrase, talk about Abel, that though he is dead, he still speaks. Abel's example is there to teach us about faith. Of course, Cain's example is there to teach us as well about the negative example, but we need to learn from these two brothers and see what faith is. That we need to believe in the Lord, but that is not all that we do. It's not just a mental assent that this belief needs to lead us to action, to faithfully follow His Word in everything that we do. And no matter what happens, no matter what persecution might come, what opposition, what ridicule we may have to endure, whatever it might be, we need to continue to entrust our souls to the Creator. Because He is the one who will do what is right. He is the one who will reward reward us. But we need to remain faithful to Him. So as we close the lesson and extend the invitation, we want to invite anyone who is not yet a Christian to become one. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that's where this all comes from. You have to believe that He is the Christ, that He is the Son of God, that He died on the cross for your sins. But if you believe that, and you are then willing to put that into action, to repent of your sins and confess your faith, and be baptized into Christ. You can have your sins washed away. God will add you to the church. You can have the hope of eternal life. That is available for you today. And if you've done that, become a Christian and have allowed sin back into your life and have not lived as you should, not lived fully by faith, then repent of that, whatever that sin might be. Ask God for forgiveness. And if we can help you in any way, we'd be happy to do that. But whatever your need is, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.